Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast, where we tell the true stories of the vaccine injured that many don't want to hear. These are real people sharing real experiences, uncensored and unsanitized. Listen and learn with us as we tell the stories that have yet to be heard by those who've been discarded. No preaching, no propaganda, and no judgments, just the truth. Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. My name is Jared St. Clair, and it's my honor to welcome into the show my next guest. Uh, This is going to be a little bit different than any of the shows that we've done previously because Henrietta Samoas is not vaccine injured herself, but she does have a story to tell that I want to make sure you get to hear. Uh, Henrietta, welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm an honor to be here. Really happy to have you here. Well, I'm I'm excited to have you, not because I love telling these stories. I frankly hate telling these stories. I wish these stories didn't exist, but I love uh, the opportunity that we have through one of the few mediums that seems to not being be as censored, uh, and that is podcasting, to get these stories out there because these stories need to be heard. In this case, we're going to talk about your son. And we are, of course, this podcast is um, put together uh, in uh, cooperation with React 19. React 19 is a uh, amazing organization that is uh, made that is run by the vaccine injured. Uh, for the vaccine injured. And up until this point on the Dearly Discarded podcast, we have only talked about people who are injured but are still here. Uh, In this case, we're talking about bereavement, unfortunately. And uh, Henrietta, I would like you to tell us a little bit about your son. Yes. Well, my son, Victor, Victor Samoas, he was 34 years old uh, when he died suddenly from um, an aortic dissection two weeks after the Pfizer vaccine. Um, I was completely lost. I'm still completely lost. But one of the things I want to mention before I go really into a story is the place where I found a home was React 19. Um, I I went to Washington with them as they were trying to get, um, you know, Congress uh, mem- uh, members to uh, put the vaccine injury on the VICP list. Um, so even though I myself am not vaccine injured, they understood my pain because there are so few people that do. And so I, I found a home there, but I felt they needed something else because I didn't quite fit into the vaccine injured. I needed something for the bereaved. And I know people that are bereaved. And so with Bree Dressen and Julia Marks and Liz Brown, whose husband died from the vaccine also, uh, we started the Vaccine Bereave Group. It's a new initiative because we want to shine truth on what's happened to our loved ones. We want their stories told. We don't want them to fall into the dustbin, dustbin of history. We want them to be remembered. And this is the only way we can do it because for the most part, a lot of times we're not even believed, not even by family members. So um, I think it's an important initiative. And if there's anybody out there that has lost somebody, I encourage them to tell their story, to tell the story of their loved one so that they're remembered. And so truth, we can shine light on the truth and we can start holding these people accountable for what they've done 
not just to the vaccine injured, but to the people that have actually died. So that is where I'm coming from. But as far as my son, uh, he was 34 years old. He was, I'd, have, I'd like to call him a superstar. He, um, he was a graduate of um, Boston College. He worked for JP Morgan for a while. He went out to Kellogg for his MBA. Got his uh, in Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management. Uh, he stayed in Chicago for two for about five or six years. He started two medical startups, one for, with you know one for breast cancer and one for an orthopedic device. He has some patents related to those, and then once those companies were pretty much launched and they're still in existence, um, he went to work for Amazon as a level seven senior manager, which is an impossible job to get out in Seattle. And that's where he was when, um, with his girlfriend, they had gone there, that he had been working remotely and he'd gone there to test the waters to see where they might, might wanna live, what areas. And so they were just um, going from one apartment to the other. And that, you know, they were there probably about two and a half months when um, I got the call. And um, the call was, Hetty, Hetty, Victor passed away. I couldn't believe it. Obviously, we were in shock. And um, from then on, it, it's been a mission of mine to find out what happened to my son. The first, he, he was initially feeling pain in his chest the night before. Well, let me backtrack. He got the vaccine April 20th. On April 26, he texted me that he had been feeling a headache for a few, few days, which I think is something that a lot of people complain about. Um, on the May 5th, which would be 15 days after the vaccine, he was having gastro issues. He was having a great time with his girlfriend. They were even dancing in their apartment and, and they videotaped it uh, because she had just gotten a promotion. They went out to dinner. When he got back, he wasn't feeling well. He had some gastro issues. I guess they went to bed and around, he started feeling chest pains because he himself called the ambulance, got dressed, woke his girlfriend up and said, I'm having chest pain. I'm having jaw numbness. Uh, I'm not right. I need to get checked out, but don't worry. I'll call you from the hospital. Um, the medics had arrived. She called him. Uh, she ran downstairs. They were taking his blood pressure on the bench outside of the apartment. And all of, and he said, and he saw her and he said, this is my girlfriend, Haisa. Well, it's my girlfriend. And then uh, he just collapsed and they had to, they started doing resuscitation efforts and they could never bring him back. They brought him to the hospital. Hmm. Uh, the ER worked, doctors worked on him and they couldn't, they couldn't revive him. Um, maybe this all transpired within an hour, you know, by the time the medics got there, by the time he was declared deceased. So it was very sudden, very quick. The ER doctor came out and said, did he have the vaccine? He asked his girlfriend. Uh, and she said, yes. And so the ER doctor thought he died from a pulmonary embolism, a blood clot. That's not what happened. Um, Washington state was required to do an autopsy. They did an autopsy and it turned out he had what they call a thoracic aortic dissection. So a dissection is a tear in the aorta. The blood flows out. It basically, eventually, all the blood suffocates the heart and, you know, 
the person dies. That's the simplest way I can put it. It's much more complicated than that. Um, and so the minute I heard that, especially after hearing that the ER doctor suspected the vaccine, I thought it was the vaccine. Uh, when they said it was a dissection, I wasn't so sure, <coughs> but I said, Had it, where'd that come from? We don't have this in the family. The um, pathologist that did the autopsy recommended a genetic, that genetic testing be done because there are certain conditions mm -hmm. that predispose people to dissections. Marfins, uh, Ehlers-Daniel, uh, some of these, um, these diseases. However, with Victor, nothing came back. My husband and I checked ourselves out also genetically, nothing came back. We then, further down the line, uh, we had studies done on myself. A second panel was done on Victor, more extensive, and also on my other two children. Nothing clinically relevant came up as far as anything genetic. So I said, well, it has to be the vaccine. I started, I was doing a lot of research and I knew that inflammation um, is necessary for a dissection. So I said, the vaccine must have caused a hyperinflammatory response in my son. And that's pretty much what a lot of the literature will say that, you know, I mean, the spike protein can, you know, attach to the endothelial cells, cause, an, you know, a, a reaction and inflammation. The inflammation can then lead to the tear. So there's a lot of articles out there starting to come out. Um, and then what we did was we had his blood analyzed at a top university by a top researcher. And what came out was that indeed he had a, uh, an exceedingly high number of inflammatory markers and quote, indeed he had a severe inflammatory response. So that's what I'm left with. I am going to have his tissue looked at for spike protein, but I don't really even feel I need it. I feel I have everything I need to show it was the vaccine. And again, as I said to somebody once, why do I have to show it was the vaccine? This was two weeks after the vaccine in a healthy, thin person that looked after his health. What else could it be? You need to prove to me it wasn't the vaccine. I shouldn't have to prove to you it was. Right. And then we went down the rabbit hole of, you know, we reported it to VAERS. The hospital didn't report it to theirs. They're obligated to report. They did not report my son to theirs. I reported to theirs. Most people don't even know about theirs. The doctors in the hospitals, many of them are not reporting, even though they're mandated to do so, but it's not being enforced. So they don't want to be targeted if they see all of a sudden that, you know, one doctor is reporting over and over and over again. So they're not reporting it. So we know theirs is underreported. They, what do they estimate? One or 2% something like that, uh, of cases are reported right. to theirs. So, yep. you know, when they say that there, first of all, there's been a 40% increase, I believe, in the, um, you know, all-cause mortality. So when they say that, you know, this is safe and effective, it's a joke. It's not. Oh, sorry. I just have a couple of questions. Uh, one is, first off, just 
from a timeline standpoint? You said it was April. Was that of 21 or 22? Um, he got the vaccine April 2021. Okay, that's that's what I thought. And um, was he mandated by his employer to get that? No, at that point, they were all working remotely. Now, he was pretty confident they were going to be mandated once they had to go into the office. But the problem was, is that he traveled a lot. And, you know, to get in an airplane, to go to a restaurant, you know, all of that sort of stuff, you had to, it was very constricting for somebody like my son, who's traveled the world, 30 countries on his own, who's, you know, was vivacious, was wanted to live life, you know, and, you know, so he was not mandated, but I think he was, but he was pretty certain they would be requiring it. And, you know, he just decided to get it. Also, he was the last in the family to get it. And nobody else in the family had had a reaction at that point. So, you know, and and ironically, he's the last to get it because he was the one that didn't have anything specific. I mean, my parents were in their 80s and 90s. We're in our 60s. You know, my other son has a little bit of asthma. My other, my daughter has a little bit of, you know, uh, has has ulcerative colitis. So he didn't have anything that would maybe, you know, put him to the, you know, head on the line for the vaccine. So he was the last one. Yeah, I was just kind of curious because it's different for everyone, the motivations as to why somebody gets it, uh, you know, in many cases uh, vary for sure. But I am always curious about the details surrounding that. So when he, uh, he passed away then, um, what, a year and a half, more than a year and a half ago now, uh, and you, what was your you you shared some of your path since then but right now you're on my podcast talking about this um story and you also are working with react 19 specifically to create a new uh community within that community uh of support for people who are bereaved um what are your motivations at this point what are you trying to accomplish uh because obviously unfortunately, your son isn't coming back. So what is it that has got you on this path at this point? And what are you hoping to achieve? Um, I'm hoping to get more and more people to tell their story. um, Because the more people that tell the story, the more, you know, there needs to be accountability. There needs to be civil and criminal liability for the people that did this. And if we're just in the recesses and nobody's talking about it, then, you know, there's not an impetus for other people to take up the cause. And I really feel we need to be out there. I mean, I'm not exactly sure of what the numbers are. I mean, they've been estimated people have that people have died up, you know, when you start factoring in the underreporting and this and that, you know, up to a million people perhaps so, or more. So if we don't tell our stories, we're never going to be able to have light shine on this and never have these people held accountable. And my motivation is to have them held accountable. The people that perpetrated this, the people in the CDC, the FDA, the NIH, um, you know, they need to take responsibility. They need to take responsibility because people have been injured. People have been 
have died. We've been lied to. Fraud has been committed. They knew that there would be um, adverse events. And so, you know, that's part of my motivation. Okay. Yeah. Just, uh, I, we said when we talked earlier, you know, before we hit record on this show, I, I told you how impressed I am that you're not just kind of coming, falling back into your corner and, and dealing with your grief, but that you're actually out here fighting for what I would consider to be justice and truth, uh, in this case, which is, you know, it's, we all have different motivations for why we do these things. I am in what I would consider to be a pretty unusual position uh, as the host of this show. I don't have anybody close to me who has experienced vaccine injury or death, um, but I have become close to a lot of people who have experienced it through this show. And uh, it's been really interesting to watch this group of people that I have found in React 19, uh, people who've been injured, people who are family of those who have been injured, parents of those who have been injured, and now parents of those who have been killed or uh, spouses of those who have been uh, killed. It's an amazing group of people that just seem to almost universally just want to get the truth out there in front of people's faces so that people can be aware. And I think to a large extent, prevent something like this from happening in the future. Absolutely. So right now, yeah, right. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go right ahead. No, I mean, I completely agree with what you're saying. Part of it is to prevent it from happening again. And and a lot of it is to have those people that still can be helped to be helped. But people like myself, yes. where I, what do you, I can't bring him back. I'll never hug him again. I'll never kiss him again. I'll never hold him again. I'll never hear him laugh. I'll never hear him, see him smile. My motivation in part is, as I said, to shed light on this and have people understand that this is true. This has happened. Don't sweep it under the rug and say, oh, well, he must have had this or he must have had that. Well, who cares what he had, even if he did? The vaccine is what triggered it. He would have had a longer life, regardless of what he, if yeah. he did or didn't have something. And so you don't just, I mean, sweep it under the rug and just go on with life and go to your cocktail parties and your, you know, graduations and everything else while other people have lost loved ones because of what they did and they knew what they were doing. They had the clinical reports. They had the the uh, the signals were there as of February 1st, 2021, when after the rollout, but even before the rollout, the clinical trials showed that there were going to be adverse events. There was fraud. There was willful blindness. There's hubris. There's everything else you may want to say about these people that think that we are expendable and we're not. And I want justice. I want justice for my son and justice for everybody else that has been betrayed by our government and by our health agencies. So, yeah, I uh, completely agree. And I think it's a, a fight worthy of um, your 
effort for sure. Let's talk a little bit more about React 19 here, because I think in this case, as I said, it's a little bit different type of interview for this show than what I'm accustomed to, where I'm talking to you know, the individual who's actually experiencing the injury. Now you're working um, really on on not just the behalf of truth, the behalf of behalf of justice, but the behalf of your son and his memory. Uh, nobody wants anyone to die in vain. Uh, certainly, I would anticipate you feel some of that. So now you're working directly with one of what is who has become one of my dearest friends, Bree Dressen, uh, on trying to set something up that has real value and real um, potential to help people in the situation you find yourself in with this bereavement side of React 19. So, for people listening that are th- that either know people uh, that are in your shoes or are someone who is uh, in your shoes. What is this effort that you're working on with React 19? What do you hope that looks like and how do you think it can help? Well, well, there is, um, React 19 has, is, has been launched. So I think we have about 10 stories, eight or nine stories of bereaved people that have put their stories down. You can write as much, I mean, there's some just very basic questions and then there's a space where you can answer, uh, like, you know, free form questions where you can write as much or as little as you want. If you look at my story, uh, you'll see I wrote a lot. Other people write a little bit. But it, I think it's cathartic to write about what has happened. One of the questions is, you know, to give, you know, tell us what happened to your person, the timeline, whatever. Another one is tell us what do you want us to know about your person? Who were they? What do you want us to, rem- how do we want them to remember them? And also, I think the third question is something along the lines is, what else do you want us to know? And that could be anything. So for me, it was cathartic to write it. I think it would help those people that have lost people to know that they're doing something to remember, sort of like a tribute that you would do, like a memorial that you would do for your loved one, you know. Um, But instead of doing it, you know, you could do your own private memorial services, but this is something where you can memorialize your person. Where, there's, where you can read other people's stories and then they can even compare and say, well, yes, that happened to my person as well. The more stories we get, the more stories, you know, that you know, you'll see similarities, you'll see differences. Um, and so I think it's good for other people to feel, hey, I'm not alone in this. There are other people, because I felt very alone when I first, when this first happened to me. I've, I, Aside from the fact of, you know, like feeling like I was drowning all the time because I was grieving. So I said, where, you know, and then slowly started meeting. I, I have a book, actually, going around my neighborhood alone. I have about 40 stories in here of people because I tell my story. I go to the florist. I tell my story. She says, oh, yeah, after the vaccine, my husband, you know, developed arrhythmias. He had to get a stent. And my my niece took the, the vaccine and she had a stroke. Um some of the stories were vaccine injuries, but some of them were deaths. You know, I went to church. I talked to, you know, to get a mask for my son. I'm telling this story. A gentleman's waiting there. He says, oh, I believe you, lady. He says, oh, yeah, right. How come? She said, he said, because I know four people that died from the vaccine soon after the vaccine, you know. And I said, really? Were they old? I was anticipating him telling me they, these were, you know, older people. He says, no, they were in their 20s and 30s. Uh, this was 
I mean, like I have like, you know, somebody I know that I took the vaccine, started having seizures. She's on anti-seizure medication. Somebody else told me about their friend that lost their platelets, had to be in the hospital. for. This is just in my community. So I knew I wasn't alone, but we were still all being gaslit. These, and I said, would say to these people, well, what are you doing about it? And they didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to turn. There was, you know, they, they, nobody tells you. I was lucky to have found React 19. I still would be lost, you know? So um, I'm hoping that through the bereaved, more people tell their stories, they start to feel a community, and then maybe we can do things like maybe have social workers come in and help with the grieving part of it, or maybe, you know, put in more articles, which I think may be tied into, you know, another organization about, you know, what is happening to, you know, uh, to people, their injuries, their deaths, um, just a place to go and know that you're not alone, get more information and maybe start more of a movement. Right now it's, it's just initiated. So, you know, we only have like 10 people, but I'm hoping it'll build. And it I think will. redressing Unfortunately, is fantastic. To have it, she's an absolute hero in my book. Absolutely. It, it, this will grow. And the sad thing is that there's plenty of stories out there like this, right? This, you're not, this isn't an isolated incidence. Um, and all you have to do is look at VAERS, which if you're not familiar with VAERS, is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. It's been around for decades uh, for other vaccines, uh, but uh, there's been more reported to VAERS with the COVID vaccines uh, by far than uh, all the other vaccines combined in the history of VAERS. And most people don't report to VAERS because most people don't know it exists and doctors are uh, hesitant to report this type of vaccine injury uh, because of the censorship and the disciplinary uh, actions that can happen at hospitals and things like that uh, for standing up against the narrative uh, that is being told when it comes to these things. But this this will grow, and I think there's incredible value in it for a couple of reasons. So this is, again, my outsider's perspective, but I, I hope that people that are listening that maybe find themselves in my shoes, that don't have a story of a person that they love that's been, uh, you know, devastated by this or lost to this, um, that I, I want to share this thought with, with you, if you find yourself in that category, and that is that Every other type of death, I don't really care what it is, breast cancer, car accidents, someone's killed by a drunk driver, uh, someone dies of, of uh, you know, pneumonia after getting the flu, pick the way that you could die, an accident or anything else. There is support for all of those types of death. There is not gaslighting going on. There is not people denying that that's how it happened. Uh, none of that is happening with any of these other things. I lost my brother when he was 26 years old, when I was 22 years old in a car accident. And nobody gave us anything but love and support and encouragement and comfort when that happened. Because there was no narrative about how car accidents don't kill people how cars are Correct. completely safe and effective, right? Correct. And so if, again, mm -hmm. if you find yourself in this situation that I'm in, listening to these stories and hearing these stories, but not having personal experience with it, then 
please understand that there is a need for help that is different uh, for people like yourself, uh, Henrietta, um, than any other cause of death out there. It's a very, very different story. So I really am so grateful to hear that this movement is taking place because what React 19 has done for the injured has been incredible. I've talked to so many injured people who have found so much support and love and connection in that group. And now we absolutely need it for the bereaved. Thank you. I agree. And I'm hoping that people have the courage to tell their story because sometimes when people are grieving, they don't have the energy. And they just, I'm just hoping they find it in themselves to tell the story uh, because it's so debilitating to be a grieving mother, a grieving spouse, a grieving, you know, it's so debilitating. Your energy level is not, is like 20, 25%. So I understand that for some people to bring themselves to the place where they can write about it may be difficult but it's something they need to do. They need to find that strength to do it for their loved one. So their loved one doesn't just, isn't forgotten, uh, you know, so they're read about. So they're, so we know that this is what happened. It wasn't an accident. This happened because certain people decided that the risk benefit ratio was okay. Well, it's not okay if it's your son or your husband, or your father, or your mother. And it's not okay in these numbers. If it were five people, but this is, this is a, I'm just going to say, this is a genocide. So, you know, we can't allow that to happen. Otherwise, we're no better than other people in past generations that didn't stand up. Well, and we need to learn from history, right? We need to learn from our mistakes. Yes. and. This is a mistake of epic proportions and whether it was a mistake that was made regardless of the motivations behind it, we'll say, um, because everybody has different opinions about that. Uh, regardless, it has happened. It is real and people need to know about it. And I would encourage, and, and I exactly like you said, just echo what you said. If you've got a story to tell, tell it whether it's you or it's a loved one, uh, it's a friend or family member, please tell the story because this is the thing that I think is so powerful about what's happening and what ha has happened with these vaccines. And that is that it is not anywhere close to isolated. There are millions of people who've been impacted one way or the other, just in America, let alone the rest of the world. Millions of people have been impacted by this. And if millions of voices speak up, they can't be silenced and that right. needs to happen. And that's why in my little corner of the world, we have this podcast. Um, but there, you can tell your story in so many different ways, including jumping on the react 19 page, which by the way, we will link specifically to the brief section of the react 19 page in the show description on your podcast app. Um, and if you are listening to this as a podcast and you would like to see this as a video, it is also on Rumble uh, and you can uh, find it at Dearly Discarded Pod um, on Rumble. Uh, if you want to see the video, share the video, that kind of thing as well. Uh, what 
else would you like those listening to to do or to think about? Uh, what other message do you have for us, if any? I hope that people don't continue to say the narrative safe and effective, that they start to do their research. Because a lot of people that say this don't know anything. They just listen to the television and they just figured, okay, well, you know, my family members all took it. We're all fine. So they just go on their merry way. But they need to know that this is not a reality for a lot of people. They need to start listening to alternative media that is not being paid by or you know, the pharma to continue this narrative, to keep saying safe and effective when you really don't know is doing an injustice, not just to the people that have died and have been injured, but also to the people that may continue to take this and be injured down the line. So safe and effective is not something that we should be repeating at this point. At this point, people should be thinking about what is really going on and if I don't know, where can I go to find out? And one of the places is React 19 yeah. because they have so many stories. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a hopeless situation either. There are people listening. There are people that are waking up to the reality every day. Uh, there are people that are forced into it by injury or by, um, you know, the loss of a loved one or the injury to a loved one. But there are people that come to it in other ways as well, stumbling across this podcast, for instance, stumbling across a Instagram post from React 19 or whatever. And the more ears that are open to this, the more eyes that are open to this, the more people that are sharing this information, the more that information is getting out. There are efforts, believe it or not, even within government right now uh, in local and national levels trying to get this information out there. Um, this is not a lost cause. This is a cause that is worth fighting for. It's a cause that I believe must be fought for. And it's our job as the people to uh, put up that fight and make sure that these stories get out there. So again, if you're hearing this and you're feeling uh, the need to do something about it, um, an easy thing to do is just simply share this story, share this podcast right now. Um, but there are many, many other things that you can do. And if you have a story, telling it is probably as important of a thing as you can choose to do right now. Is there uh, anything else? I feel like I've talked more than my fair share. Is there anything else that you'd like to to share with us before we uh, wrap this up? No, but you've been great. No, I, I would just also say that um, I have to commend Ron Johnson and Ron DeSantis as two leaders in this that are looking into all of these issues and are not um, just, you know, accepting the narrative and they know they know and they're they're looking into it and i appreciate their efforts and so any support on those ends that those people can get um will be helpful also yeah yeah there are some people even in high places that uh, have seen enough uh to know that there's something going on and there have some there have been some amazing doctors uh you know the dr peter mccullough's of the world and uh, that have been willing to stand up and frankly oh, yeah, lose everything absolutely. that they had to tell the truth. And we need to support those kind of people as well. 
I am, I am so grateful, so grateful for Dr. McCullough, Dr. Cole, Dr. Corey, Dr. Merrick, all of these doctors, Dr. Malone, all of these people that have stood up and risked their livelihood and their, and their credentials to, to have a discussion, you know, about this and to tell the truth or what they, you know, and I, I, I admire them greatly because they've helped the cause a lot. So I agree. Yeah, it's going to have to be a team effort. We're up against a uh, pretty powerful uh, group of individuals and organizations, and uh, but it's not more than we can handle. I really believe that. I wouldn't do this show if I thought it was a lost cause. I think as Ron Johnson said in his recent roundtable, the truth will come out. And with the truth, yeah. if it's so overwhelming, you just cannot hide behind the old narrative anymore. The truth is 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 gonna is gonna come out. So agreed. I believe that with all of my heart. Hetty, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. As much as I don't love telling these stories, I love that these stories have at least some platforms that they can be told. And uh, all I can say is that uh, I, while I can't understand what you've gone through with the loss of your son, I can say that what you're doing in his honor is has incredible value. And I honor you for uh, making the choice to let your voice be heard and to not let his death um, go away in silence. Thank you. And also I'll just say my son helped everyone. And if this had happened to me, he would be doing what I'm doing now. And I know that a hundred percent. So I'm, I'm following in his footsteps, so to speak, because that's the kind of person he was. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate this. If there's anything that uh, we can do here at Dearly Discarded, if there's anything, any updates that we need to share with people down the road, um, you let me know, okay? All right. Thank you very much, Jarrett. All right. Thank you so much. All right. So this has been another episode of the Dearly Discarded podcast. Please, please, please share and uh, let your friends and family members and strangers all know that these stories are real, that these are happening to real people. Uh, this is a, uh, a topic that cannot be glossed over. It's, it's comfortable and easy to move on and just do life like you were doing you know, pre-pandemic. Um, but it's, we have to remember what's happened over the last couple of years. We have to honor those who've been lost, who've been injured and get that information out there so that this type of thing stops because it's still going on. We're still, they're still rolling these out. They're still pushing these things and pushing them on younger and younger people uh, with uh, the effort to mandate them in many places. And that has to stop. And we have to stop something like this from happening in the future. And if you feel that way, then please stand up and let your voice be heard. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been the Dearly Discarded Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. We encourage you to help break through the silence and share this episode with your friends and family. It's time for these stories to not only be told, 
but to be heard. For more information, head to react19.org and dearlydiscardedpod.com. The Dearly Discarded Podcast is produced by Jared St. Clair and Michaela Hyde with support from React 19. We'll be back next week with another true story from one who lives it. Until then, join us on Team Humanity. Keep an open mind, seek the truth, and share these stories. Most of all, open your mouth. Silence won't change anything. React 19 needs your support. We're a grassroots nonprofit created by the COVID vaccine injured for the COVID vaccine injured. React 19 provides physical support through scientific research and physician referrals, financial support to those most in need for uncovered medical expenses, and emotional support by growing a community that's focused on compassionate advocacy, hope, fellowship, and improving lives. We can only do these things with your support. Your donation is tax deductible and any amount is greatly appreciated. You can also sign up for automatic monthly donations. The vaccine injured have been marginalized, censored, and discarded, but they have not been broken. Help them rise to the challenge today. Visit react19.org for more information or simply text the word REACT to 50155 and donate via text. <laughs>